0: This is the why we travel podcast, the podcast dedicated to those who want to explore the world on their terms. Each week, you'll hear from amazing travelers and experts sharing their best travel stories from the road, listen to their unique travel experiences and get insider tips about their favorite destinations. Whether you're an experienced world nomad or just getting started, this podcast will inspire you, improve your travel skills change the way you travel and motivate you to get out and see the world discover the art of independent travel and meet fellow travelers in our online community now let's get into it with your host and world traveler claus lauder welcome to the show
1: hello and welcome to another episode of the why we travel podcast food is a big topic with every journey with every travel and most travelers are foodies going to new countries trying out new food big thing there. So today with me, I have someone who did this in a very, very special way, and it's a sweet story, and you will know why that is a sweet story in a moment. Sophia B is with me today, and she has done a trip to Europe back in 2017, where she explored cakes. So we want to dive into this right now. Hi, Sophia. How are you today?
0: Hello, I'm very good today, and I'm very excited to come here and talk about cakes and travel.
1: Sophia, give me a bit of a background of yourself and what got you into traveling.
0: Yeah, sure. I'm French, Moroccan-American, which means that I was born and raised in the U.S., and from my French mom and a Moroccan dad. And I think my relationship to travel started pretty young just because of that multicultural background. We would travel during the summers or yeah, I just remember being on a plane pretty early. And I think also what multiculturalism does sometimes is it breathes this like intensified curiosity and this need for change. I really love change and diversity. So that kind of shaped my relationship to travel where basically staying in one place feels foreign to me in a weird way. I need to continuously go and explore. And by the way, traveling can be something like a 10-hour flight away from home, or it can just be hopping in the car and driving 30 minutes outside to a different neighborhood. But it's this idea of exploration and movement towards something that you don't know that I feel very connected to. And yeah, and I also moved around from university. And then just whenever I'd have a spare time or spare change, I would find a destination. Europe is great for that because we have these low-cost airlines where you can just go to Dublin for $5. So traveling is definitely a key part of my identity for sure.
1: Okay. Well, do you see yourself more like a solo traveler, an adventure traveler? What kind of style of traveling do you prefer?
0: A little bit of all of the above <laughs> choice is not my foretake. I enjoy traveling alone because it means that I'm going to more easily like talk to people or I'll be independent and in charge of my time. And then at the same time, I also love going like with a friend. Group travel, not so much. Weirdly enough, I organize travel retreats, but I wouldn't participate in them myself. And something that I often do when I'm arriving in a new city or a new place is like, I'll try to Google like insider Tip, I'll try to look for like local blogs instead of maybe like the first Google results, because when I go to a place, I'm not going with this idea of, okay, I have a list of 20 things to see. I like to just walk around and see what the local lifestyle is like. the same for food. Being able to just walk and see what places look full and what places look full of locals is something that really excites me. But I think it's a hybrid. It's not like adventure travel either. It's leisurely, everyday life traveling.
1: Okay, sounds great. Now, back in 2017, you did a very interesting trip and you wrote Love Mm -hmm. Prey and meets Anthony Bourdain, which is one of my heroes, so we're on the same page. So what got you to the idea to go to Europe and do something very special? Tell me about it.
0: The backdrop is myself and a friend, Annabelle, who we'd been to university together. We were freshly graduated and we were both rebuking the corporate lifestyle, right? I had gone to Morocco to try to connect with my father's heritage and I was working in a guest house and Annabelle, I don't remember exactly what she was doing at the time, but she was very much like, what's my life about? I don't want to just go in and integrate some traditional job. So her and I were talking and we love desserts together. We used to bake in university. We would have these big baking afternoons. And I think the conversation we were just like, we wanted to promote again, diversity, we wanted to help spread awareness of what's different, because I think we're always focusing on the differences, but in a conflicting way, right? And so we had this curiosity of what is a traditional dessert in Romania? I remember the conversation. We were like, well, why don't we just go and discover it? And then we thought, well, why just Romania? Why not all of Europe? And at the time, the kind of hitchhiking concept wasn't there. We thought we were very young and irresponsible. We thought that we would be able to save up in a few months and then go and do that with the car. And that wasn't the case. So when we got to like the date of departure for the trip, we just decided to wing it because ultimately we just really wanted to go. And whenever I talk about this trip, it boils down to curiosity and this a little bit of also naivete, right? Which is just like, if right now after this call, I was just like, okay, I want to go to Mexico today. But it happens that I don't have a car right now and I'll figure it out. I'm just going to walk out the door and make it happen. Because there's something that's driving you, the curiosity, you find ways to make that happen. And Annabelle and I were both obsessed with dessert. We both were very curious about what kind of desserts exist in Europe and also in the world, but we just started with the scale of Europe. And also we wanted to open a bakery, like a coffee shop. There was also a business plan behind it. We're going to go get these recipes and then we'll have this shop in which people can come and try desserts from all over different
1: areas. Okay. So you said (laughs) Romania was one of the countries. Which other countries did you go to?
0: We did 18 countries in total. If I can roll through them pretty much in less than a minute, I think we started in France, went up through Belgium, Germany, Czech Republic, Poland, Hungary, Romania, Bulgaria, Greece. I'm definitely missing some in the way, but that's okay. After Greece going up again, the coast, Serbia, Bosnia, Macedonia, we didn't stop. Croatia, Slovenia, Switzerland, Austria, Italy. I haven't counted on my fingers, but that's the
1: tour. Okay, that covers quite a bit in Europe. What's your approach to find this specific dessert or cake?
0: It was so messy. We would just literally show up somewhere because also we're hitchhiking. So we don't really have... This is the thing with hitchhiking. Like you can be very stuck and say, I'm trying to go there. That will limit your way of traveling. Whereas we were like, okay, we're trying to go to Greece. Greece is huge. So from there, we would land somewhere. And once we had figured out housing, because that's the other thing, we were sleeping in strangers' homes. We didn't really know where we'd stay. We would just talk to people on the street It's actually a really interesting question. Nobody's asked me this before, but Annabelle and I would be different in our approach. I want to control sometimes. So I would be like on Google looking traditional recipe of Bulgaria or something. And Annabelle was always very good at inviting me into like, there's probably a lot that we don't know. That the whole point of coming to see the locals and to learn the local recipe is like, just trusting that we'll find what's really present here versus looking at Google and then saying, we found this recipe specifically and we're trying to make this. Towards the middle end of the trip, we'd show up like there's one, time in Greece, we rallied almost the entire town. We were just walking on these cobblestone streets and people were like, who makes that orange cake? That's really good. Oh, it's that girl. We, okay. Where is she? Who makes that orange cake? And we just found this girl who makes an orange cake. That's very specific in the region because she blends an entire orange into the batter. So she doesn't just put orange juice. She takes the entire orange. That's really right. Blends it into the smoothie maker and then it makes this paste and she puts that into the batter. So you have a super flavorful orange chocolate cake. And those are things that like, I wouldn't have found that on Google. I wouldn't. I would have found probably baklava or something.
1: Yeah, I think you had the right approach there, uh, just winging it and just go for the flow and see what happens. Was my yeah. approach to a certain degree there. Now, obviously, going somewhere and finding this one thing and you just got a little bit into it, but then getting the recipe out of someone to mm-hmm. take it with them. I think that can be a different level of challenge there. So how did you approach that?
0: My one belief on this is that people want to help. It felt like a treasure hunt. Think of the way that children approach a treasure hunt. We weren't just coming in like, hey, give us one piece of information. We're like, tell us your favorite local dessert and then teach us how to make it and tell us somebody who can make it with us. And I think once you present a question like that as a collaborative game or a collaborative approach, most people, human psyche-wise, are like, okay, how can I help? And so that was just part of the conversation when we're asking for dessert. We're not just asking, hey, where's the best bakery? We're like, what's a traditional dessert and who makes it best? And also help us connect to them because they're going to teach us and we're going to bake with them. It was pretty supportive. I don't need to sugarcoat. We also had disappointments. We had this one coffee shop I remember where we went for two days straight and they were like, yeah, yeah, come back tomorrow. I was like, Okay, tomorrow. And then tomorrow, uh, come back tomorrow. And at some point we were like, okay, tomorrow means no, thank you. And that's okay. And we would ask people to help us. And also we had this very light and playful tone. I tell this to my team members sometimes, but I think people want to help. And the way to make them help, the easiest way to make people help is to tell them specifically how they can help you. So when you're going to go and ask for advice or ask for support, instead of saying like, hey, I need help, be like, hey, this is exactly what I need. Like I need ABC. Is there something in all of this that you're able specifically to do? It's like, this is all that I need. Help me get the treasure hunt.
1: Okay. How often did you get lost in translation? Because obviously with all these countries, there's not only language differences, but also cultural differences. Yeah. I love Europe. So how did you deal with that? I think that was not that easy.
0: Anna and I both speak English. I speak French. She speaks German and we both also speak Spanish, which covered a lot of surface. Romania, for example, is a Latin language. I did not know that Romanian. I thought it was going to be a very like Slavic language. But I think for the most part, we got around in English. We definitely started speaking more English and German once we were getting the more East we were getting. Also Google Translate, although Google Translate can have mistakes. I remember one time being in a truck with a driver who was telling, we were writing back and forth. And I guess Google Translate just didn't work in Polish the way we were expecting it to. So we were like, okay, can we go to this city? And then he hands us the phone and there was his language written. And then there was like, okay, in 20 minutes, I'll blow you up. And I was like, I think it's probably he'll drop us off. It probably means that, but Google is communicating the word. And so for the whole 20 minutes, we were just like, he's going to drop us off. And then other moments, there's probably stuff that I got lost in translation that I don't know about in both ends. But overall, technology is a great tool for communication. And another thing that I sometimes tell my friends who are traveling is don't underestimate the power of nonverbal language, because when there is a will, To communicate, there is a way to put your message across. It can be through miming. It can be through pointing things. It can be through drawing. It can be through words and you replace them. And there's always a way to put your message across. You just have to be creative about it. 100%
1: agree. Now, with the traveling, what's the biggest challenge on the trip?
0: The biggest challenge, which softened over time, is for me personally, not knowing where we'd sleep or go. And then also the notion of dependency. I grew up in a culture where it's like very hard for me to ask for things. So like asking for a cake recipe is fun. And it's not that much risk. But having to ask for transportation and housing, it confronted me to a lot of my own kind of limiting beliefs of like, oh, um, I can't ask people that because they're going to feel taken advantage of. Or I don't know where I'm sleeping tonight. Can you help? Things like that, that was definitely challenging. Surprisingly enough, I think people expect, because we were two women, they're like, how was it being women traveling? And I really want to talk about or help destigmatize that. In a weird way, people were more supportive and protecting of us because we were women. So a lot of the drivers, for example, we always had this question of the hitchhiker drivers would be like, why are you picking us up? And 80% of the time, the answer was, I don't want anything bad to happen to you guys, which then I'm like, that's interesting because you're scared of the good of the bad, but you're doing the good thing. It's very telling for me of just like how as humans we're scared of the outside world, but at the same time we're doing the right thing. So it's like there's more good people out there than there are bad, but we're so scared of the bad that we like end up not focusing on it while we're doing the good thing. I always find that so funny.
1: Yeah, 99 point something percent of all humans are good people. I was an Airbnb host for a long time, and you're always a little bit of over careful about your guests and that nothing happens to them. And on all my travels, I had the same experience. People try really to take care of you and point Mm. in the right directions. And it's easier than what people think or what the news wants to make you think. Now, once you were back, question is, did you start your coffee shop? What did you do with your recipes? (laughs)
0: Yes, so we did go to Morocco. Straight after we had planned to to go and open a coffee shop. We were talking with an investor in Morocco, in Marrakesh. I think if we hadn't had that next chapter, who knows? I might still be traveling for desserts because you fall into it, and you're just like, oh my gosh, there's so much to go discover. But we had an end date. We knew that come December we were going to go to Marrakesh and open the shop. And so we went to Marrakesh. We started working for about a month on the plans and imagining what that would look like. And at that point, just completely honestly, what happened is during the trip, I think we really learned about like intuition and trusting our feeling around certain things. They're like a vibe. I don't even need to get all LA spiritual on you. But I think that sometimes there's things in life that we perceive and we don't know how to put words on them. And so we had been practicing that more and more throughout the trip. And with this specific person that we were working with, nothing wrong happened, but it was feeling off. So we decided to not work with him. And we started baking from our kitchen. And so I don't know if you'll be familiar or if your audience will be familiar. There's a show in America called Two Broke Girls. And it's these two girls who are baking in their kitchen. They're making cupcakes to try to go and sell them. We were in our kitchen making cakes every morning going and dropping them off to clients and coffee shops and trying to put a business together, going to farmer's markets. And so we did that for about six to eight months, maybe like a year up until the end. And at that point, we realized that it's one thing to bake every Sunday for your friends. It's another thing to lead an entire business. Like a bakery is no joke. And I have so much respect for any baker or person who cooks food for the rest of us. So we decided to stop and then we continued on our journeys. And that was in 2018.
1: Okay. Okay. So what was the biggest takeaway from, I think we touched already a little bit on that. What was the biggest takeaway or in hindsight?
0: From the trip? Mm-hmm. Curiosity and kindness are contagious. hundred percent. It was like everyday exercise that things will work out most times. Right. Most times things will work out, even if if you don't have the answer in the moment. And the third takeaway is, again, why I quote Bourdain on this, but like food is just such a social glue. And if you come in with curiosity, again, to do the full circle, if you come in with a curiosity about somebody's culture and you ask them about food, 99% of the time you're going to get met with a big smile and something like, I want to share a meal with you and I want to show you this and that. And it connects us back to like the childlike feeling. It makes life a little bit less serious and big and important.
1: Okay. (laughs) Come slowly to the end of our podcast. What would be a advice that you would give someone who wants to travel the way you did?
0: That's a great question. An advice that I would give to somebody. I would say give yourself the tools and the space to really work on your mindset going into it. And again, I'm sounding like a broken record, but stay curious, stay open-minded, be resourceful in terms of like... If you go out thinking that you already know what's going to happen, you want it a certain way, be realistic about that, that there's so much of life that we don't know. And when we go to these new places, being able to just be like, all right, I'm going to show up and also stay super open to connection and to discovery. I think that mindset shift is at the root of everything. That's what I would recommend.
1: Awesome. Sounds really good. Where can people find out more about you when they want to get in touch with you?
0: Right now, I would say through social media. Instagram is where I'm often, as we all are in my generation, just... Addicted to the phone, and otherwise, I also have my website on which people can send me a little message. But I'm an open door. I love people getting in touch. And recently, somebody actually had heard the story, and they were doing a similar trip about coffee. And he reached out, being like, "I'm trying to explore every coffee in every world. Can we talk?" And we had a great chat. And I love that. I thought how fun that we can all inspire each other to go travel. It's really fun.
1: Coffee sounds great. My round the world trip was on the Griddle, the Burger and Beer tour. So I did a lot of burgers and a lot of beer. Okay, that's.
0: <laughs> I want to hear about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we're all foodies at the end of it okay yes, Sophia, thank so much for your time i will put the links in the show notes that people can reach you if they have any questions and talk soon
0: thank you have a great day
1: you too bye hey here. before you leave i have a question are you a traveler do you have a favorite travel destination or favorite travel experiences that you would like to share with the world then become a guest on the why we travel podcast simply message me and i will get you all the details for becoming an interview guest and then we take it from there That's it for now. I see you in the next episode and have a great day.